Hey everybody, we are Francis, Martin, and Robert, and this is Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome back to Snakes and Otters. This is episode 70. I am Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis, sitting here in the captain's chair. We're actually on the top floor of the Baxter building, recording uh, live together this time, and I think that is an appropriate place for us to be. Because we're going to talk about what's been called the gold standard of villains. Period. Amen. Who is the greatest villain ever created? Now, we can have a lot of arguments over that. This is created villains. This is not real-life villains. That's correct. That's right. Created villains. And uh, there's many people that would probably say, well, of course that's Darth Vader. Ha! Darth Vader is a panty waist. He's actually... A lackey. A lackey. He's even derivative, some would say, from this villain. Victor Von Doom. Dr. Doom. You know, this uh, Baxter Building uh, recording studio, this is nice, but you've got some noisy neighbors. Well, we got a rocket and everything in the negative zone always going well, on. Well, that's exactly right. I'm telling you, never I know. I hate it when that Annihilus guy drops by. That's what you, always Well, you'll hear him scratching at the door occasionally. So if you hear that in the background, any... That's the gateway that's, to that's, the negative that's zone. That's the gateway to the negative zone, and that's probably Annihilus <laughs> trying to get it. Don't worry. The force field is perfectly in place. We're good. Uh, we, uh, we've got it all lined out here very, very well. Now, when, when my dear wife Susan comes in, that might be different because she comes... Oh, ironic. Like, that's her real name. <laughs> exactly. That's right. You know, it's... Uh, uh, hey, you know, I, as as re- listeners, you may realize that I'm a Fantastic Four fan. Have been since the beginning. I wanted to be Reed Richards when I was a child, and goodness gracious, I still want to be Reed Richards. I want to be the smartest guy in the universe that can solve everything and knows everything because that's just what you do. You know, that's the great heroism here. But... Reed Richards is such a great hero, yes, absolutely. And uh, I thought about maybe doing an episode on that. Maybe we will one day. But we can sort of now from reverse because he is the arch nemesis of the greatest villain that has ever been created. As I said, Victor Von Doom, Dr. Doom, created uh, by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in Fantastic Four number five. five. Thank you very much. Uh, last it's episode. It's not right out this time. That's right. Five. That's right. Last, I, I, I was off one episode, one issue last time when we were doing the, the teaser for this episode. So, uh, yes. Uh, he's been around a long time. 1962. Two. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, he's coming up on 60 years here, very shortly, yep. of being in existence. And he has been everybody's foe. Uh, he, has. he has fought every single person. He's the one that they very quickly discovered. He's not just the great foe of the Fantastic Four, which of course was the first Marvel super team in the age of Marvel. It was the beginning. It's still one of the greatest. As they say, it's the first family of right. Marvel, Fantastic Four. And in many respects, Doom is part of that. Uh, he go he predates the relationship with the Fantastic Four. He and Mister Fantastic were. Foes since they first met rivals. Rivals and, is probably a better yeah. better way to put oh, yeah, it. Yeah, they eventually become foes um, in college, and that's his backstory, which I'll tell you just a tease about this. We usually do that in our heroes episode. This is a pop culture episode, so it's really not the same thing. But he is a tragic figure. He is also an arrogant. Arrogant beyond belief. There's probably nobody that is as arrogant as Victor Von Doom, and that's yes. part of his charm as but, villain. He would not call himself arrogant nope. because it's not arrogance when you're right. Exactly. Exactly. I was hoping I could set that up and you could I could put the ball on the tee and you'd knock it off the fairway. That's exactly where I was going. It's because he is right and to, he, in his mind he always is. Yes. And to be honest, 
99% of the way he is, probably. But there's always that tainted 1% that leads him into villainy. Uh, he is. He wants to rule the world because nobody's going to rule it better than he will. Daggone it! Exactly. Uh, he's he he can save everybody, and he does this in microcosm for his uh, kingdom, fictional kingdom, of course, of Latveria, where he is absolute ruler. And it's interesting with Latveria how it's been portrayed over the years. Uh, one of the covers of Fantastic Four you have on your wall mm-hmm. is Fantastic Four 200, mm-hmm. which is where, for the very first time, he is deposed by, after he re- regains the throne. Yes, uh, fantas- by, fa- by, Mr. Fa- by Mr. Fantastic himself yes. uh, in, in the great mano imano moment. Of course you had to do that. That's why it's on my wall, for goodness sake. Exactly. But the interesting thing is, um, you know, he's at various times it's been portrayed as they love him. That's right. But then at other times, they don't. So it's been kind of inconsistent. I like the, they love him, they fear him, That's right. but they love him. That's right. Because he is better, uh, because, uh, and, and John Byrne did a wonderful uh, issue, uh, you'll remember the number quicker than I am, 247, exactly, where... Well, there's a two-parter, 247 and 248. Yeah, which was basically... The the successor to 200, where he is deposed, yes. he actually goes mad because of an accident that happens. And he eventually becomes himself again and is, ironically, put back on the throne by the Fantastic Four and himself. And by the people. By the people. Because he may have been a dictator, but... He was a benevolent dictator. He was a benevolent dictator. Right. So correct. the guy who comes after him... And, Zorba. Uh, yes. King Zorba. Uh, who was the son of brother. Uh, King Rudolph, brother of brother, King Rudolfo, right. uh, uh, of the previous king whom Doom himself deposed? Uh, the people were he. He himself was the ironically instead of the liberator. He becomes the tyrant. He does because uh, he's, he doesn't tyrant. know how to rule. Correct, and Doom is actually the savior. It's a brilliant turnabout because you see that kind of exemplars what Doom really is. Right. Why he's so good? He is not a mustache twirling villain. That's out to rule the world because he can, you know, because just because he's got very good reasons why he thinks right. he should be ruling the world, he's and that not, is uh, he's not uh, just going to watch the world burn, Mister Wayne. That's ex- that's exactly right. No, he, he wants to he wants to save the world under his leadership, and Latveria, as those issues shows, maybe he's not wrong. Well, you know that's the beauty of it. It, it is, and that's why so good as a villain. The reason he's one of the greatest villains. Is that, as our great friend Trevor Slattery would say, hey, hi, it's complicated. It's complicated, that's right. He is. He's a very complex character. That's what's so great, yes. And that is what is so great about him uh, as a character. Just as uh, in our previous episode when we talked about Steve Rogers, he was uh, great for his purity. Doom is great for his complexity. Yes. Because both men are similar in that they want the best for everyone. They just disagree on what the best is. Mm-hmm. It really, which you, when you think about it, other than those that are psychopaths, mm-hmm. everybody wants the best for everybody. It's just everybody has a different vision of what that is what and is. who's at the center of that vision. Mm-hmm. For Doom, his idea of what's best for everybody is the best for obvious reasons because you know everything. nobody's going to come up with an idea and think, well, my best idea is this, but I'm wrong. His idea is actually better than mine. And so he's smart enough and powerful enough that he can actually force this at least upon Latveria, which is one of the bad things about comic book world because uh, the comic book worlds, not the store comic book world, right. <laughs> uh, is that if you were to really play out Doom, 
he would either have been deposed permanently by now, or he would have taken over, at the very least, Europe. Because he spends an awful lot of time complacent in Latveria. But you kind of have to do that because, you know, nobody's going to want to read 200 issues of Fantastic Four versus Victor Von Doom. It's well, going to get old. Yeah, I might, but that's you're right. That's correct. He, but he, he, he keeps coming back. He keeps coming back because he is, uh, and not just the, at Fantastic Four, but all right. all Marvel, I and mean, everybody's fought Doctor Doom. He ha- yes, everybody has. The Avengers, if, uh, one of the greatest arcs of the Avengers, uh, prior to that period we talked about the last time uh, with the Korvac saga, where that starts around 160 uh, with Ultron, uh, around uh, in 150. Yeah. Doom is the primary villain. That's right. It's, it's magnificent. Uh, George Perez did draw those. If I'm not uh, a good number, of, not all of them. Not all of them. A good Correct. Number of yeah, them. some really great stuff there. Uh, and it was it was really it was well well done. It's always what Doom brings his A game with him every time he shows up. You know he's dangerous. You know he's powerful. He is a synthesis of technology and mysticism. Yes. He is just as comfortable at being the Sorcerer Supreme. And he's a good candidate, mind you. Actually, I think he did have he, that he, title he, at one for, point, for very briefly. Very briefly, exactly. With Stephen Strange, as he is with being Iron Man like Tony Stark. And he also had the title of Iron Man, yes. actually, for a while. The infamous Iron Man uh, in recent days. So he's good in both those universes. And the two together, he's one of the only characters that does that. Yes. And because he's the only one good enough. So Good at what he does, that is. I want to talk a little bit more about his background. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to touch on it a whole lot. I want to bring well, this I, up. Go ahead. You know, because to me, the background is part of the complexity. Is what really explains the complexity. So he's uh, actually of gypsy background, mm-hmm. uh, and a Romani people. Yes, the Romani people. And so he is going to be. Uh, he and his family are going to be very ill thought of. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's possible that they were either Catholic or Jewish, because uh, uh, depending on how it's been portrayed. His mother was a witch, which is where the mysticism comes from. Right. So she ends up as a prisoner of Mephisto, which is a devil figure, uh, in in hell. And so she's suffering there. That's why one of the reasons why he learns the mystic arts is to fight Mephisto. Right. To try and, and for, free her. Yeah. For years, every year on the anniversary of her death, he would battle Mephisto uh, to free her soul. And he, he always lost. Uh, he, but eventually he finally did free her soul. But that was part of his his background is that you know part that makes him a tragic figure. He loves his mother. Mm-hmm. He loves his mother so much he's willing to fight the devil to free her. Over the accident, yes, over and, over and over. The accident that scarred his face, and there are many theories on what his face actually looks like. We'll get into that, in and second. we'll get into that. Uh, was an attempt to reach his mother in the other world. Right. And Reed Richards, even though he doesn't like magic because he's uncomfortable, although. Tony Stark is more uncomfortable with magic than right. Reed Richards. Um, he realized that the science he was using was actually a little flawed. His equations were slightly off. Right. Doom being the arrogant ass that he can be threw Richards out and went ahead with his experiment. Which blows up. Which blows up. And he always blames Reed Richards for sabotaging it. Right. Which is the true beginning of the, the real enmity between right. the two. And the irony of that is that Reed was trying to help him. Right. Which is because Reed is a heroic figure. That's right. And so this background of this, he comes up from it, from the poorest of the poor in Europe. Uh, although supposedly 
It's kind of a retcon. He did have a claim to the throne of Latveria. Yeah, uh, it was... It's kind of a retcon, but yeah. that's okay. Um, he grows up, works his way to America, goes to college, all in the sweat of his own brow. He is the ultimate self-made man. Right, and he's brilliant. He's absolutely the... There's only one... He's he's really the smartest man in any room, with only one exception, that being Richards himself. Yes. And they would both... Uh, if they were totally honest, would say, on occasion, one might be smarter than the other in a particular area. But overall, Reed's always the, the smarter. Correct. And he recognizes sometimes Doom's brilliance. Yes, always he recognizes Right. It. In fact, that's always, uh, it's one of the great tragedy things about it, that, that complexity you talk about, is the fact that Richards would love nothing better than to save him. Yes, he wants to save him, because he still considers Victor. Because at times, it's not Doom, it's Victor. They're friends. Yes. Sort of. There is a feels him to be retrievable. To, well, absolutely. To be, uh, he, he never, gives, he never yes. gives up on him. In fact, in recent comic books uh, that I've read in Fantastic Four, this is just a couple years ago. Uh, You're going to say exactly what I was about to uh, say. He finds an alternate version of Victor Von Doom oh. uh, by accident that did not turn so villainous uh, and who, who has a slightly scarred face, but it's better. Uh, and... He and they become friends, and and Victor, this Victor knows the story of our Victor, and he yes. says, as Reed, every time he leaves, he says, "Don't give up on me." Right. Don't yes, give I up. Remember on those me. issues? Yes. Don't give up on me. Uh, the, um, and, and Richards never has. And he never has. Um, the other thing that uh, has come up in relatively recent uh, issues, the last few years, is that every year, Reed and Victor play chess. There's no. Uh, there's no fighting. It's all done mostly on the up and up, although Victor does his little bits here and there. And interestingly enough, Reed often wins. Yeah. Which drives Doom insane. Of course. Figuratively speaking. Yeah. And But it just shows that complex relationship that Reed still wants to be friends. Because mm-hmm. he's a kindred spirit. That's right. Absolutely. I'm hoping you were going to use those words. You know, Marvel does this a bunch. Yes, and they, they add layers of complexity to the villains with those kind of relationships. Even though Professor X and Magneto, yes, that's, oh, that's exactly right. That's that right. is the other. That is probably the other prime example of this. I think Magneto is not the great tragic villain that he is a tragic villain. Yeah, but not the same way that the, the Doom is. The Doom is. Yeah, uh, and it's because of that relationship again uh, with that hero. Even though Doom may fight other other heroes all over the place. That anchor with that relationship with him and Reed Richards is essential everywhere. And that's one of the reasons that, I mean, think about it. Darth Vader only really is as good a villain as he is because he's the father of Luke Skywalker. Right. That's, that's, as you said in show prep, he's a lackey. Yeah, Vader is. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not really the bad guy. Yeah, that's right. The, the Emperor is. Uh, Doom Someone's is essentially... is holding Vader's lead. That's right. Doom is both the Emperor and Vader together, <laughs> which makes him... That's one of the reasons he, he absolutely outranks Vader as this greatest villain. Just because yes. he doesn't have the exposure in the movies that Vader does, doesn't right. count. Well, I want to ask you two things here, Mike. So, what role do you feel Envy plays... In Doom's psychology, it, oh my goodness! Uh, okay, go. But you have a second question. Second, second question, question is: uh, you just briefly brushed it that they've attempted to portray Doom in film, and from what I understand, it's a, an abysmal failure. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I call it abysmal, but it's definitely a failure. Yes, they got um, some of it right. 
but most of it is, is, or maybe not most, but a good deal of it is still long. Well, that is correct. Uh, I will give you this. The Tim Story movies uh, were better than the absolute steaming hot mess that was the 2014 Josh Trank. Yeah, we're not even going to talk about that. Not even talk about that That's not the Fantastic Four. That's not Victor Von Doom. No, that's not. So just push that aside and forget that. Skip a bit, brother, as they would say, Monty Python would say. But Tim Story wasn't bad. Uh, It was not a bad casting uh, no. that they used uh, for him. Uh, what is that fellow's name? I can't uh, Julian. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. See, I was about to look it up, but I didn't have time. Uh, God bless. He's he's actually done some really good stuff. Uh, he's he's a handsome guy. He is. Which Doom needs to be that before he does. The problem is that I think this is essential with anybody that plays Victor Von Doom. It's kind of like uh, Hugo Weaving actually took a big chance playing V in V for Vendetta with his face covered with a mask the entire time. Yeah. You got to have somebody that's got the stones and the guts and the not the ego to play the villain masked yes. pretty much the whole time. And uh, when they did the second movie, Rise of the Silver Surfer, they found a way to get him out of the mask. Well, that defeats the freaking purpose. Yeah. Sorry, it just that's that's one of the reasons that second movie failed so much, even though it was channeling many good many good pieces from the the comics. It did. They did a lot of homages to the comics. It was all over the place. They did some, and they had some great moments. Don't get me wrong. They I did. mean, the, the time when uh, Reed Richards basically tells the uh, the army uh, general to to piss off. Yeah, I, I got this. I'm I am the big dog around. I'm Mister Fantastic. I'm Mister Fantastic, and of course. Uh, uh, Sue Richards, after the general walks away, she walks up to Reed. She goes, I am so hot for you right now. <laughs> Which I'm thinking, that's cool. That's that's kind of the way this is supposed to Which, work. Which, in a way in itself, is a little... Because Sue Richards is the least sexualized Marvel heroine ever. That's correct. Yeah. Which is very odd, because she's the first in modern Marvel well, she's heroine. All, she, she is the mother figure exactly. to, to all of them. She's mom. She, yes, she, she is everybody's she is, mom. But yet she is also the perfect wife. Yes. Uh, Even though they almost got divorced. That's right. But ultimately, but you know, that was Reed being a dick, but that's Well, another. that was also the 1970s when divorce was all the rage. That's correct, yeah. Uh, wisely, that didn't happen. Yes. They, 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 they realized these, this, they need to be together. You should, that's just, that's one thing you don't mess with is that perfect marriage. Although it must not be always seen as perfect. It must be seen like any other successful marriage as having its difficulties. But I'm going down a rabbit hole I don't mean to go down to. What I do want to go back to is your first question. Yes. Envy. It is the absolute essential element of it is. that relationship. Doom is envious of Richard's in almost every way. Yes, because he has everything that Doom aspires to have and either doesn't appreciate it or turns it away. Because he has an unscarred face. That's right. Doom is very... He probably wasn't as uh, 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 concerned about his looks prior to that, but it's a it's an obvious imperfection. That is not... It's, it's an it's, unforgivable It is a thing. visual reminder of him that he is vision, not yes. the best. Exactly. He is not at the top. Because he made every, a mistake. Because he made a mistake. And he blames Richards for it because Richards is at the top. He is acknowledged as the smartest man in the multiverse. Yes. Bar none. I don't care what anybody else says. That's kind of his thing. Even Stark. That's correct. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They have, uh-huh. they have different strengths, but... Uh, you know, they, they they still Stark. I think would recognize him yeah. as the smartest. So that's pretty good stuff, Robert. 
But I think it's time to take a break because we have not discussed bourbon this episode. Yes, we must get our bourbon in. Get our bourbon in. And we've got a pretty interesting one that you've provided uh, for sharing this evening. Knob Creek Smoked Maple. Yes, we uh, had that. uh, uh, Two of us, Francis and I, had that last week. And you're drinking it this week. Mm -hmm. And Francis here, I think, is also drinking it. Oh, I went right back to it. I think it's pretty daggone awesome. It's got that sweetness to it that uh, nothing else has. And I guess. It's very unique. Yeah, it's unique. Mm -hmm. I'm going to dissent a little bit. Not that it's bad. But it's almost got a little too much sweetness for me. Uh-huh. It's almost like a piece of maple candy. I'm not seeing the problem, actually. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I suppose. But I, I mean, you're right, though. It is very smooth. It doesn't really grab you up in the throat. Oh, yeah, there's no burn. It doesn't make you no cough burn. or anything. So I, I do like that. So I got a good chew of it here. Yeah, as we uh, talked about uh, during uh, show prep, or, or maybe it was before we did the last episode. Uh, we are talking about that. You had mentioned something about that it smelled like it would go with uh, uh, pancakes. <laughs> yeah. And, is. you know, some, some sausage with the sage and maple syrup. And I said, you know, I could make this. I'm not a day drinker, but I could make this a breakfast bourbon. Yeah, a shot so, of this in your coffee would be... Uh, be a fun the, way to start the day. Yeah, that'd be an eye-opener. <laughs> yeah. Now, myself, I've gone back to uh, an old favorite uh, we haven't had for a while, so we finished it off. Um, I think maybe the last time we were at my place. Yes, it's been quite some time. It's been quite some time, and that is uh, some Four Roses. Uh, this is uh, the basic Four Roses. It's not one of the small batches, but that's okay. This is a really good yeah. bourbon. And you just four cracked, roses cracked this bottle, I just right? cracked this bottle today. Yeah. And uh, really enjoyed it. The first time we, we tried the Four Roses was when we were at my That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you bought some when we went up there. And, yeah. Uh, and that was a really, we really enjoyed all that. And, and I've been out of it at the house for a while, so I thought I'd uh, mm. get that. And, you know, uh, this being the basic one, uh, it, while it's still really good, it's also an inexpensive bottle. Uh, this was a little over $20. There you go. Which, for, for Four Roses, to me, that's a bargain. Sure. Because, you know, like I said, it's not one of the small batch. It's not one of the premium yeah. Four Roses. But Four Roses is really good bourbon. Uh, it was interesting because I had that after having some of the maple and that was interesting because the this maple syrup or smoked maple uh bourbon uh it's i wouldn't say it's overpowering but there's so much to it that the basic bourbon almost feels watered down (laughs) there's truth in fact why don't you top me off with that maple because i've been uh it's easy to go fast with this one you know i am not one to go fast with bourbon it takes me forever to finish one but I can sl- I can slam this one down. I'm surprised. Uh, that's just I guess it's because of the sweet nature, and it's just that's that's what I prefer. And how smooth. Speaking of breakfast, yes, that's now I remember what it reminds me of. Um, Nord's Bakery, a little plug for a local business. Yes. Nord's Bakery yes. on Preston Highway. Um, the bacon bacon maple donuts. Uh, donuts. Yes, yes they those are, are awesome. They they are, are yes. terrific, terrific. Yeah, good. yes. And homemade, and homemade, handmade there within in their in their bakery. Uh, they they do yes. a great job. It is job an there. institution here in Louisville. They are they they are citywide famous. People travel from all around. There are good ba- there are lots of good bakeries in the city. There's there no are, question. Yes. But that's one that everybody knows and everybody's been to many times. You know, yes. that's one of the things that we. Uh, we like to plug as our local businesses around. That was here. one of the best parts about being on Deacon Council and being uh, chair was having to pick up the donuts. Yeah, and so I could go and get whatever donuts I thought was really good, uh-huh. and I didn't have to pay for it. 
Well, that's, that's I always made sure I added some of those bacon maple donuts. Well, to the, that's to the batch. true. In fact, when I when I had that job before you had your had it, I I would pick them up out here where I lived, and I got criticized because I didn't go to Nords. I remember yeah, that. that. That's yeah. correct. I remember not. that because uh, the ones we yeah, have out here, yeah. sugar and spice, it's also locally owned. It's very well, and they're, they're they excellent. were fine donuts. They were excellent. That's yeah. right. But uh, there were several that that. Uh, kind of gave me a little bit of the business because I didn't yes. go to Nords. So, a little stink after uh, yeah. But that's, uh, yes, that's what the smoked maple yes. reminds me of is that maple frosting yeah. on the donuts. Yeah, you know, and it's not a cloying kind of sweetness. Um, it, it really is an interesting mix, the sweetness mm-hmm. with the, the, the bourbon. So, it does so, still have a good chew, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Four Roses, great. Knob Creek, you know, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, we were talking about how Envy. Is plays such a big component on Doom, and uh, want to make sure I can get back to where I was thinking because I was headed someplace with it, and then we got sidetracked with bourbon. So easy to get sidetracked with bourbon, though. It is, but it is. you know, I can see Von Doom drinking bourbon. Oh yes, absolutely. Yes. In fact, you'll often see him uh, in the comics. Uh, drinking something which to me is kind of weird considering he's got the mask and all that right but somehow he manages every once in a while he'll take the mask off but it's always been shown from behind yes you never uh it started with jack kirby and it was kept uh until for a long long time you never saw his scarred face uh until it has been finally shown um jack kirby drew a picture in his mind of what Doom looked like, it was never published in the in the comics, but you can find it online. Right, it was a fan piece. It's a fan piece, and it's done. It's black and white, and basically, Doom takes his face off part of the way, and you see it's a normal face with a little scar right along one cheek. That was Kirby's interpretation, saying it's not perfect, therefore Doom considers it completely scarred. Right, uh, which John Byrne took that and ran with it years later. Uh, and he actually showed Doom's scarred face after the well. I, no, we, he didn't. Well, he did and he didn't. But he showed him in the mirror, remember, after the explosion that took place. And he's got the little scar down yes. the side of his face. Yes, he does show that. He does but... show that, which well, that had never been shown. Right. Uh, and not canonically, yes. Not, correct. And until that until that time. And I guess we probably should explain that's what scarred Doom's face is because of the experiment you mentioned. Yes. That exploded, that he's trying to reach his mother, and it scars his face. Well, it's actually only... A small scar down one to the side of the the cheek and the jawbone there, but do, to Doom he is ugly. He is he is yes. no longer perfect, and from there he goes and visits, finds these Tibet, Tibet, Tibetan Tibetan monks. Thank you. <laughs> Similar to the way Doctor Strange does, not the same group, mind you, uh, and they create his mystic armor, yes, uh, which he technologicalizes later, so to speak. Is that a technical term? Uh, that is absolutely a technical term. That's right. Uh, a technological assertion term, perhaps. Uh, I'm just Slow down on the bourbon that's there. That's exactly right. I'm just butchering <laughs> this all over the place. But uh, then he gets he has them put the mask on that they have just fired in the in these mystic right. fires. And they even tell him it's too hot. It's too hot. You shouldn't do this. He puts it on and you see the sizzling. And you never see his face after that. Right. So it's presumed that the scar that he received was not the same scars that he holds now. Right. Flash, and I like that better. Cause I do. Because it's always been shown that way. That's not a new burn interpretation. That's right. The hot mask uh-huh. was always part of, of his the, origin story once it was done. That's right. The real scars. Yes. Flash forward to 2000, and I think it was 16, I'm pretty sure. 15. 15. Was uh, when, and this is one of the things that we talked about in the show prep that we have to talk about with Victor Von Doom is, Doom wants to rule the world. 
actually the universe. The world is really too small. It, the right. universe is really... He wants to be... Why confine his greatness to one planet? That's exactly right. He wants to be, literally, he wants to be God. He actually gets to be, in 2015. Uh, it was a brilliant piece on the writing of Jonathan Hickman, uh, one of these superstar writers. We're big fans. Uh, he had written the Fantastic Four before... Uh, this did a great job with him. He slid over to the Avengers and he creates this entire universe, multi-universe ending saga where all these multiverses are crashing together and literally destroying themselves, shrinking everything. And it finally gets down to one universe. And what's happening is these extra universal beings, beyonders they're called, are inserting themselves into everything and destroying everything. And in the end, the only people that can stand up to them are three individuals. This takes place at the end of, the, of an Avengers piece where all the Marvel comics that were happening carry this universe-ending story. They all kind of coalesced into this one moment. And there are only three entities that are standing up against these Beyonders with any chance. One of them is Victor Von Doom. The other is Stephen Strange. And the other one is uh, the Molecule Man, the man who has the ability to recreate matter at its molecular level. Okay, He's kind of a minor villain, but he becomes very important in the story. And as these Beyonders are coming in, and these only these three stand against them. Everybody else is either dead, gone, destroyed, or whatever, uh, or, or occupied. And Stephen Strange is supposed to be the ones that confront them, and he says, I can't do this. Victor, you have to do this. And what he does, of course, he always manages to win. Victor does. Somehow, even though he loses, he always wins. Yes, he is... In a way, he is McClellan. Yeah, that's he right. He is his own worst enemy. That's correct. He Not always. He steals the powers from the Beyonders and uses it against them. But in the process, all the multiverse is destroyed. And Victor is able to take pieces from all these parallel universes, salvage pieces of them. It's all he has the ability to do. And he creates this new entity of the universe where everything that was is now conglomerate together. So you get the chance to have all these alternate interpretations of other characters done for this. Yes, there are multiple versions of every character. And depending the, on what version of the multiverse they came from. And the only people that actually escape are Reed Richards, uh, and Namor, T'Challa, the Black Panther, and a few others, as well as some villains. Uh, they escape all this and end up on this battle world, is what the name of the place is called. Uh, even and Sue Storm, Sue Richards, and her children are all are part of the destruction. Well, Victor salvages everything, and becomes God for this planet, uh, and that's what they call him: is God. He marries Sue Storm. The Ch Reed's children think that Victor Von Doom is their father. Basically, he gets everything he wants. He's absolute ruler of the universe, which is basically one planet. Which is one planet, but the, it, it, he an absolute ruler. And he has his greatest rival's wife as his consort. And those children that he could never have, they are now his children. And he rules everything. Galactus is even subservient yes. to him as part so, of this. And they show his face. Yes. This is where I was kind of going with this. They, he takes his yes, face off. It's really the long way around, but yes. That's right. <laughs> well, exactly, because you had to see that, because in many respects, the character, it's the culmination of the character. Well, yes. Yeah, I would say that's the, that's the real point is you're talking about envy of what Richards has, not only is Richards unscarred, but he's also a family man and a savior figure. He's hailed as a hero. He's hailed as a hero. All the things that Doom wants to be hailed as a savior. That's right. And then also, he has Reed's family. That's right. And yet he's also absolute ruler. 
because he's the one that knows what everything is best at. And it's a 12-issue series called Secret Wars uh, from 2015. Two. Secret Wars 2. The Secret Wars 2, that's right. Uh, it, it is brilliant. It's actually hand-painted. Jonathan Hickman wrote it. Uh, Isad Rabik, I'm not pronouncing his name exactly correct, but he's the, he paints it all. It's magnificent. And of course there's the final confrontation once again between sure. Richards and Doom. Yeah, so the... Yeah, you're, you're right about how the whole thing with the Envy plays out because it, it, it's really... It's no more than fantasy wish fulfillment mm-hmm. on Doom's part mm-hmm. in doing this. Because the whole point of it was, as you read the series, is less about saving all of those people yeah. as it is about mastering Reed Richards. Becoming God. And in many ways, it is the ultimate adolescent fantasy mm-hmm. played out. And, 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 you know, you can make the argument in some ways that's what Victor is. Mm-hmm. Uh, although after Secret Wars, he matured quite a bit. Uh, his face was fixed. He, mm-hmm. We actually saw his face. So right now, uh, I don't think even now that he's back to being Dr. Doom as opposed to the infamous Iron Man, his face should be uh, unscarred. Which is fine. It, it, it is scarred. There was another issue. Uh, it happened in Iron Man 300, I think it was. Where oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I have the book, but I don't remember you that. Yeah, yeah it, it, they, they re-scarred his face. Well, it was not to the same. 600, not 300. 600. You're, I was going to say that number doesn't sound yes. right. Yeah. Um, where he, he... And it's really great because Richard shows the ultimate mercy at the end by... When he has to remake the universe through his son Franklin, who has literally godlike powers... He remakes, he fixes Victor's face, and Victor doesn't know he's going to do it. And basically, everything's right. back the way it was. And Victor takes off his mask, looks at himself, and laughs because he's he's whole again. Mm-hmm. And they and they left it that way for several years, which was brilliant. That he Victor tries to redeem himself. Uh, Reed Richards is gone from the universe. He's right because the Fantastic Four has taken a, uh, a hiatus. Uh, recreating the multiverse, right uh, through the Molecule Man and Franklin, which. Is somewhat problematic because Franklin is too powerful. Right. Uh, they show in a, in a, in a, some, in a time traveling version of, of Franklin where Galactus is his herald. Right. Yes. So okay. But anyways, yeah, so he's about the, the most powerful creature that can be. Actually, yes. yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, if Galactus is your herald, you want badass. That's right. So, in a way, Victor has this adolescent thing about him because it's all about first of all it's very self-centered when we were adolescents we were very self-centered oh yeah um you know he's got the thing with his mother he has mommy issues mm-hmm. uh but he also has the unrequ- well not unrequited love but he's he's got that love that that uh, uh he lost somehow and i can't remember the details on it because uh, it's kind of like the Valeria, gang situation valeria valeria yeah. yes. that's right his uh, who ironically is the name of Reed Richards' daughter, yes. which Victor got to name. Yes, complicated, folks. It's really, yeah, complicated. really complicated. Just go with us on this. There's a reason for it. But anyways, so he's he's got all of these issues that are often things that will hold you back in an adolescent frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is his major downfall. Mm-hmm. Is that it's not that he he's not McClellan in the sense that we normally use it. You know, his fatal mistake was bringing himself. Right. But in a way, it is because his ego is almost always what is his undoing, and it's enormous. And it is enormous. And that's one of his hallmarks. That's one of the things that makes him different, and perhaps it's the thing that makes him that greatest villain of all, is this enormous ego. 
and it's not in a in a silly manner like Doctor Evil would be from Austin Powers, who thinks he's all this but is really nothing. Victor's usually not that wrong, right? He he's usually he usually is the smartest guy in the room. He usually does have the right answers, but it's his motivations and what he's working his, his for methods. and his methods too, which yeah. of course you know they're related. Because yeah. he is he's ruthless. That's he's correct. very ruthless. And you see that in Secret Wars very much because he's quick to, to execute anybody who disagrees with him. And, and that's normal. I mean, that's that's not out of character for him. Correct. Um, he, he's very ruthless. Very, In a way, he's very much, uh, as we talked about uh, the, the Red Skull in the last episode, where the skull is all about himself and the other people are not real. There's a small bit of, or probably a large bit of that with with Doom, but there's also a small bit where that is not true because he does care very deeply for Valeria. He does, which is a very brilliant, brilliant creation on the part of actual several comic writers. Jonathan Hickman did a fantastic job of playing this forward. Mark Mylar did too, of this weird relationship that Victor has with the daughter of his accursed enemy. Yes, his Uncle Doom. She, his Uncle Doom. That's right, and in fact. When the universe is threatened at another time to be destroyed, thanks to Reed Richards' mistakes, she goes and assembles his uh, villains, the smartest villains in the room, and of course the first one she goes to is Uncle Doom. She says, can you help me defeat my dad? He says, let's talk. <laughs> yes, that's right. Because, of course, absolutely, we love that. Yes. Uh, and he does. In fact, it is Doom, in the end, who saves the, the planet because of his actions during that battle with the Celestials. I'm getting off on a tangent. Yes. But... But that's a key part, again, of this character, is the thing to stress, is Doom always thinks he's saving the world even while he destroys it. That is correct. And that's a fairly unique motivation for villains. Again, you talk about Red Especially Skull. Especially comic book villains. Yeah, Red Skull's not like that. Oh, no. The Red Skull um, wants to destroy. You know, yeah. and uh, uh, Magneto is Thanos not Thanos like thinks he's saving the world by killing half of it. Yes. So uh, in that way, they are similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanos has actually done some... Uh, I wouldn't say heroic, but he has been part of the good guys at times. Very rarely, yeah. but it has. And, it and has Doom happened. can do that too. I mean, and Doom respects, can do that. He's a guy. If you could get him in your corner, he's a good guy to have. He's a good guy to have. He's. Powerful. I assume he doesn't kill anybody you need. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I got another happen. another villain I want to compare him to outside of the comic book realm. Hannibal Lecter. Oh. Another fictional villain. Hmm. Um, no, I've not read all the Thomas Harris stuff on. Right on uh, Hannibal Lecter. I've read some of it, um, and then of course a couple of the films. But I just think that's an interesting contrast too, because uh, the Hannibal Lecter character, I guess, is probably more akin to the Joker. As yes, we know he's it. pretty much irredeemable in many respects. Yeah. There's nothing good about him that I can think of, other than his perhaps brilliance. And there's a similarity with Doom with that, because yeah. Doom is absolutely brilliant. Uh, but Doom is a far more interesting because he is not, he's not completely evil. Right. He is absolutely well, not. Well, that's the thing. And Lecter would be. I don't, I don't see yeah, anything I mean, redeeming about him. Like they say in the film, there's no real name for what he is, so it's beyond psychosis. You're right. So you, the Joker's a good comparison. That's yeah, for, for Hannibal Lecter, yeah. Now, and we have to remember that when we talk about villains, we don't, we don't mean the guy who's the most evil. Not at all. We, we're talking about the guy who is the most interesting and villain and the one that antagonist he is the be, one, yeah that's probably the better way to put it that's he's right. the best antagonist for the hero mm-hmm. because he is complex right and that is i think the thing that makes him the best one because he, he you know, early on he was portrayed as a sociopath 
if I'm not getting my terms wrong, the sociopath is the one who has doesn't understand why you think what he's doing is evil. Oh, that's yeah. fair. Generally, yes. generally, yes. The the sociopath is the one who lacks empathy for others, but it does at least understand that his actions are destructive. So the psychopath does not understand any of that. If not that I'm a psychologist or anything, right. listeners, but yeah, one's a little bit more crazy as opposed to wrongly built, perhaps. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. in, in ways put together. So early on, he was very much por- portrayed as the uh, you know raving lunatic villain uh, at times kind of went back and forth that's true it was a disservice um, to the character often. well no I mean the character is still being developed well, that's correct exactly so I don't uh, think it was a disservice to the character if so they'd much have, if they just stayed there he would not have been as great he would not have been as interesting yeah uh, because he's such an integral part of Fantastic Four history they they really had to develop the uh, the character otherwise it, you know he's a straw man if you don't that's right yeah and that's the best part about him. I liken him to Londo Malari. Oh, from Babylon 5. From Babylon yes. 5. Uh, B- uh, Londo Malari is ultimately the villain in Babylon 5 because yeah. he triggers that round of all the evil that the shadows do. And yeah, he's he, very he, much the, the lever that they use. Yeah. Uh, well, and yeah. he does it willingly. Yeah, um, it, for his own achievement, for his yes. own for to attempt to achieve greatness for himself, and he kills billions because mm-hmm. of his actions. But uh, he realizes what he's done, yeah. and regrets it, which is what makes him tragic. Yeah. But it's, but still doesn't stop. But, well, he doesn't feel like he can. And that's it's, part of it too. It's quite, he's he's, he's called, grabbed the tiger by the tail. That's right, and he can't mm-hmm. let go. Yeah. So he makes a couple of half-hearted attempts, but he, he does what he can where he can. But, but he's he, not willing to, to die for the cause. That's, that's exactly that's, yeah, that's know, right. So There comes a point where he can't, he, he's not going to back down anymore. Right. But it's the tragedy of Londo that I liken to Doom. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Doom doesn't feel like he can't let go because, you know, he, he would be willing to die for his cause. Because he would give anything to... Now, he's smart enough to send in the Doom robots. That's correct, yeah. Uh, when there's chances of that. There's even one uh, issue that John Byrne writes where... Uh, uh, Burns' armor gets, or I mean, uh, Doom's armor gets fused, and he can't move. And in the thought bubble was, it was stupid of me to confront Terax in person instead of sending a Doombot. Doom yeah. Uh, so I thought it was a great, great thing. But that tragedy of all these things that have made him who he is, because uh, in many ways they're setbacks, mm-hmm. uh, which. You know, maybe that's good because you know, really, do we want Doom ruling the world? Probably not. Well, and that's what beauty of the Secret Wars. So we get to see what that looks like. Well, that, well, that's what we as him being God. In that's correct. Yeah, he, yeah, he rules everything. Yeah, there's uh, a difference between that and being the political ruler of the world. That's right. So, yeah, it's because uh, um, you know, yeah, we don't really want that. We don't want Doom ruling because nobody nobody likes that, and yet. It's easy to see when you look at the broad history of the character, especially how he's progressed, how he has been made into somebody who you can honestly say, there but for the grace of God go I. Oh yeah, I mean he he is the negative version of Reed Richards. Absolutely, they, they are they are meant to be yin and yang. That's one of the reasons that they work so well when they're together. When they they almost don't exist without the other. Now that's not quite true because Doom has been used everywhere by every different villain. Well, 
But that, but, that, but Doom defines it, he, even though he would never admit it. Yeah, at well, least with a good writer. Well, that's great. He defines himself in opposition to Reed Richards. Exactly, and that's that's why and he, and he having also, Susan as his wife and taking Reed's children as his own. That is the ultimate defeat of your foe mm-hmm. when you take his family and claim it as your own. Of course, yeah. Which gave Reed the reason to to fight against him, and it was a, it was a brilliant, brilliant uh, series, and uh, it was it showed the the hero, heroism of Reed Richards in particular, but many of the others who fought with him, but also showed the tragic heroism and villainy at the same time, mind you, of Victor Von Doom, and that's why right because like if so he had much. not done what he did, everything would be gone. That's correct, yeah, and he and ironically he was the only one strong enough to do it. Richards tr- chose to do something different and ultimately failed because his wife uh, uh, essentially dies and his family dies along with many others that didn't make it. He was only very fortunate that his ship... I'm not entirely out. sure that that interpretation of the end of it is correct because I always interpret it as Doom because that would imply that then Doom just recreated all these bits and he did. It I think gets, he it, gathered everything. It gets a so little I don't believe that she crazy. died or the kids died. But well, that's my interpretation. That's right, because, well, they appear to, certainly. Well, yes, to read, and to the reader. But, that's right. Because otherwise, I think he would... Because if he Even, truly had recreated them, he never would have given them, you know, any kind of aspect of what, you know... Uh, they, they would not be recreations. And yeah. Even Doom may consider himself God, but he is ultimately not. The Beyonders didn't have even that power. Right. Just because uh, you have absolute... Uh, yeah, authority over... Cosmic power, like uh, the genie. That's right. Uh, living space. That's right. Um, you're, he's still human, that, with all the human foibles. And in his case, he has a lot of foibles. He does. Again, that's the tragedy. That uh, he's he's very insecure, mm-hmm. in many ways. He wants Richard's approval. He does. He wants Richard to say, "I'm better. You're better than me, Victor." I mean, he and there, and depending on the writer, you'll see that sometimes. Where that well, comes because in certain cases, that, yeah. Victor's right, and Reed doesn't have the answer. That's correct. But in most cases, it's the other way around. Or or they've had the same answer, maybe go out different ways. Well, that's right. It, Vic- Victor's right, but he's also perverted in the way he goes about it, because he doesn't hold certain truths like the dignity and sanctity of life that Richard's does. Right. And Which is why he's the villain. Well, it's exactly right. Because we don't want to lose sight. We don't want to cor- coronate Victor as God, because he tried that once. We saw it didn't really work that well, but uh, you could easily see that we're trying to say he's that great. Yeah, because the, the the goal of this project here is not to uh, rehabilitate uh, him. Rehabilitate no. I come not Von to praise Von Doom, but to bury him. That's <laughs> very, very good, sir. I really like that. So, if a listener is like, oh my God, I'm 40-some minutes into this, and I've never really heard of this character... What would you? What would be your recommendation for somebody to dig into it? Not the film version, no. obviously, but if 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 you could say, uh-huh. go get this one thing, and you would see why it would be Doom is so interesting. It would be the Secret Wars. Uh, yeah, you can find the trade paperback fairly easily. Uh, it's the one done in 2015. There was one done in the 80s. Uh, ironically, Doom was kind of in the similar position, but it's not near as good. This one is really. It has all the good stuff, and it's beautifully painted. Uh, I, if you really want to know it well, and because he, he succeeds, he becomes God, uh, and he's taken down. Find that. So I would disagree. I knew you would, but uh, let's well, see. because I think that's that's the end of the story, right? Uh, in many ways, that is the end of Doom's story, because now, uh, as infamous what Iron is there Man left to do, yeah, what yeah. is there left to do? 
uh, and he's gone back to, to ruling Latveria. So, you know, if you try and take him back to I'm going to rule the world, that's kind of taking him backwards. So, that's correct. Yeah, what, what do you do now? Yeah, so in a way, that, but that's the ultimate end of where he was trying to go. I think if you want to understand him, I would recommend two sets of stories. Uh, and there's probably three segments of the Fantastic Four, because that's where it's always going to where you're going to get the good right, stuff. Right, right. It always it's Fantastic Four. Yeah. So I would look at issues 197, 98, 99, and 200 because it's a, it's a very good one. Classic, classic Bronze Age Marvel. Classic Bronze Age Marvel. It's where uh, Fantastic Four finally really defeat Doom, and he's deposed. Right. I think it's brutal. So I think that's a really good. Uh, Good setup for Doom and Latveria because it's it's really him as the villain, but then later on in the Fantastic Four, in two thirty six because it starts there, uh, which is the twenty fifth anniversary of the Fantastic Four, and then in uh, was it two forty seven and two forty eight right when he goes back and reclaims Latveria with their help with their help yeah because then they depose the guy that they put in power. And realize and, they made a big ass mistake. Exactly, and then there's another issue, which is I think at two fifty six or two fifty seven of the Fantastic Four, where it's basically a day in the life of Doom. Fantastic Four don't even appear in the book. Right. <laughs> it is literally a Doom only book, and I think those issues. You know, it's a handful of issues. The, from these are 1978, 79, and then 81, 82, I think. They're around that time. Yes. Early 80s, yeah. yeah yes. it's, it's late 70s, early 80s. Uh, yeah, 77, They're available. Uh, There's no one volume that's going to have all of them. Unfortunately, that's true. Although you might get one volume because the, the later ones that burned the essentials? Did, no, no, no. Uh, um, the later ones that Byrne did might be collected in one of the... Visionaries? Uh, uh, John, yeah, one of the John Byrne Visionaries. That's right. Well, they are. I Not even in one volume. I don't know if they uh, are. Yeah, uh, but see, a lot of that stuff uh, from 196 to 200, that's Keith Pollard, that was different. Uh, well, yeah, that you're going to have to get on Comicology or Marvel Unlimited, whatever, but those are the issues to and, me. And, and to be honest, they're great stuff. They... One of the things, but they can't be gotten without like going to the flea market and looking through every box. To oh, find absolutely, it. absolutely. <laughs> but you could buy a collection that would have those. Again, those are very pivotal, yeah. and, issues. and they are not exceptionally expensive by any means. No, no. so you're not going to be dropping lots of money like you would for some of those early issues. And yeah, things you, like that. I'm sure you can find them easily enough online in one of the Pretty online so. yeah, bucket a quarter a piece or something yeah. like that. And probably. one of the things that we kind of dance around in all this, and I want to just kind of just take the lens back a little bit and realize what we're talking about here is great storytelling. We really want to kind of talk about the fact, the reason we like Victor Von Doom and the reason we like Steve Rogers' Captain America is we're all about, as we've said many times, the storytelling craft. When you get something that works and works really, really well, you run with it and you make it your own. And Doom is one of those great components that whenever he was in a story, it was almost always better. Uh, he did such a fantastic... He was just a great character... Uh, and he made for, because of his complexities, as you said, Robert, very, very well, uh, he was somebody you always like to root against and yet sort of kind of root for, too. Uh, his complexity <laughs> was really a great thing. And I'm sorry, but you're not seeing that in most stories that are written these days. Am I being too obtuse on that? No, I don't think you are. Um, you know, 
Yeah, I think right now the in mass media the big attraction is again more character like the Joker. Uh, you know, you the force where, of nature. Yeah, you're seeing that character being reinterpreted two and three different times in current films. Uh, sometimes as a gangster, and then sometimes as this some man just wanted to watch the world burn, Mr. Wayne. Yeah, um, it's not a bad Michael Caine impersonation. <laughs> so, it is very good. Yeah, yeah so I think that right now is sort of that zeitgeist that people are looking for, and not. So Doom, I think, is unique. I think Doom is probably what they really should be looking for, but don't know it. I yeah. think that they can do better than just that. Well, the problem is, at least in mass media for movies and what have you, a character like Doom is incredibly difficult to do because you've only got two hours. I was going to say, you're going to yeah. talk about the format limitation. Yes. That's why Joker's TV's... easier Yeah, because... A psychopath is much easier to portray. He doesn't have that depth. It only takes one scene. Right. I mean, it, it takes the, the, again, the Heath Ledger, what's the smile? Why are you smiling? The, those little clips. And you're establishing immediately that this is a character that can't be predicted. You don't know what the motivation is. Whereas Doom would be so much better, I would think, in, say, a, a TV series. Uh, which you you need some time, yeah, like yeah. an HBO sort type of thing, where you've got the ability to really go deep with him on his own as a character, and um, he's kind of like uh, he's kind of like the Can of Money Cristo. He's kind of like uh, the Godfather, uh, Michael Corleone. He's got a little bit of that in him. Uh, there, uh, in many respects, Darth Vader certainly all over the place. In many respects, people have been trying to capture pieces of him. Is there a character saying Game of Thrones? That's another monstrously popular. Oh, one absolutely! To to... If you're going to say who is Doc, who would be Victor Von Doom be Tywin Lannister? Absolutely. There's the guy that has it all together, that has a serious flaw in his character that is ruthless to uh, to the hilt, that is willing to sacrifice anybody and everything to get what he wants. Yeah, that's Victor Von Doom for sure. Well, I think that's as close as you can get. Because Simon exactly. Lannister has almost no redeeming qualities. That is correct. That's right. He is he is by no means in any way. He's almost a caricature of a villain. In correct. Some ways. Because he, he's nobody can be that inhumane. Oh uh, yeah, they can. Well, oh, yeah, well, yeah. No, I mean realistically, I mean the way you look at him, he's one of those guys that nobody else is real. His family comes close because yeah. to him everything is about family. That's right. Yeah, but. Even so, he's willing to sacrifice his family. And, and did, absolutely. And did. Very yes. much so. Yeah, he's uh, he's about as irredeemable of a character, but he's also damn dangerous, too. Yes. Which is another thing. Whereas Doom got. would not sacrifice family. That's true. That's correct. Uh, if uh, He's been written pretty consistently throughout all the times that he's been shown. Uh, even Because he has none, essentially. Uh, yeah, he, the, he adopts... The care for his mother. He cares for his mother. He adopts... Kristoff, he does use... But he sets him up as his heir. That's correct. You know, I don't think Doom sees that. Doom sees that as doing something positive for Kristoff. Correct. Because his mother was under his protection right. when she was killed by... Um, uh, uh, the Doombots. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, who was the king? Zorba. Zorba, thank you. That's right. I keep wanting to say Rudolfo, but that's his That's his, his brother. brother. Who is, is his um, so he adopts Kristoff. Yeah. And sets him up as an heir. Yeah, exactly. And you know he, he's got that fondness for Valeria. And so he, for those he cares about, they are absolutely real and important to him. I know, and that's what see. That's why Tywin is such a he's a he's, he's a supporting character. Uh, 
Right. He has to be a supporting character. Right, because he ha- you, you cannot be a primary character if you don't have redeeming qualities. That's right. If you don't have complexities that Doom does. Doom can carry and has his own series yeah. many times. Uh, he, nobody else can do that. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not you... lasted very long. No, every uh, time, but it, which is a shame. It is because he's he's done a really good. He's he, he's got the cape. Yeah. He's complex enough. Well, real quick, what other villainous characters out there could come you compare close? to Doom? But but I, I you know I think you're right there. I think there is this uniqueness that's so hard to portray quickly. In film, that's right. That you would have to do something that builds this character up. That's why. Well, you couldn't do. And that. I just can't think of anything else that's out there. Well, uh, what your comparison to Londo Malari is excellent because you notice that's also another long form storytelling. Yes. Which yeah. that's where you need that to build complexity. And I think, in many respects, in this era of binge watching, we crave that stuff. We oh, really want some of that. We want some seriously complex characters here. Doom brings that in spades. So, you make a really good point about long-form storytelling. So, yes, Londo, it's the complexity that is where the... And the tragic figure is where what I'm comparing. That's because Doom is a much better villain than, than yes, Londo. exactly. It's the complexity and the, the tragedy. But, if you look at what's going on uh, with long-form storytelling in these uh, shows, uh, Handmaid's Tale is a great example of this. So, uh, it's actually... The books are supposedly more chick-lit kind of thing. Uh, and if anybody takes offense at that, so. Because, um, I mean, that's that's a term. That's, that's how Margaret called. Atwood wrote it. That was her intention. Right. It was a very feminist uh, approach. Exactly. That's, that was her deliberate Now, approach. I think, I don't, I, I've never read the book, but I would say that uh, the TV show probably uh, doesn't come off as, to me it doesn't anyways. I enjoyed the series. But the guy uh, played by um, Joseph, I think it's Joseph, Joseph Fines? Yes. Fine. Is it Fines or Finney's? Whatever. Fines, yeah. So he's the main bad guy, even though he's not the top level guy. Mm-hmm. And he's complex. Yeah. And you have time to draw this out. That's right. And so he has his sympathetic moments as well as his, oh my God, you're a monster. That's right. And you should, and, uh, you know, you should be both. To be a decent villain, you should be both. Right. Darth Vader works because of his tragic backstory, and he almost could have been better instead of being the man. Of course, as I call him, the whiny man boy. I was about to say yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Although Lucas... he's not as bad a whiny man boy as Kylo Ren. Oh well, that's true. That's true. Uh, Lucas didn't do himself a lot of favors sometimes. Maybe some of that backstory should have been left unfulfilled. Well, no offense to Adam Driver, I just don't think he was. I just don't think he had the gravitas to to play. Kylo Ren. Uh, it's hard to make somebody that young as as formidable. Well, that's one of the problems with, with Star Wars timeline. Everything's too compressed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Luke and Leia are too young for the, especially Leia, for the position she holds. How is she a senator? She's 20 years old. Then again, her real mother was queen at an earlier at age. 14. Yeah. And it's an elected position. Yeah, well, because we can't show Lucas. monarchies, that's you know that's bad. We don't show those. You know, we have to. But we have an empire. I know, yeah, which fun. again is bad. That's exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Yeah, I mean, it's once you get past the first two original films, Star Wars really loses for me. It, there are things in the original it. trilogy that work, but there's so much around them that don't. But, yeah. You know. We, we, well, that, well, that we is another do, episode. Yeah, we're we're at fifty nine well, you know minutes. Palpatine. So Palpatine. Yeah. Is a villain that. Now, he has no redeeming qualities. Yeah, he's not trying to make the world better. Well, he is, but again, 
he's to the extreme of where Doom is because Doom has good ideas. He just, you know, ruthless in carrying them out. Ruthless in carrying them out, and takes them farther than any normal person would. Yeah. So, because he would brook no dissent, no uh, opposition. Yeah. So, but Palpatine is an interesting villain uh, to me mm-hmm. because perhaps more interesting than Vader. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, he's the yes. guy with Vader's leash. Vader's a lackey, we, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's that. That is, of course, true. But it's also uh, Palpatine's backstory is still not as widely disseminated as Vader's was. True, and there's, that there's and no that, that piece of mystery, yeah, that piece of mystery serves the story better in many yeah. ra- in many ways. Vader could have been a better villain. Um, if he had not been portrayed as the lackey, first of all. Yeah. Which, after Star Wars, the original mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. he's not the lackey anymore. He's the number two guy, essentially. Because mm-hmm. he's the one out doing all the hunting, not uh, you know somebody like Tarkin. Right, well, he, and he appears to be the, the A number one villain in, say, Empire, which is one of the reasons <coughs> that that movie is considered to be the best of all of them. Yes. is because Vader ultimately holds the preeminent position of villain. And yes, that is his, he is best in that movie. That's correct. And uh, w- when he is subordinated in the next movie, in Return of the Jedi, all of a sudden it loses something. Well, it also comes out of nowhere. That's correct, yeah. And, and uh, if you had seen some of that, I mean, you, you could make an argument retroactively that uh, you know him trying to get Luke to join him is the beginning of that. But it doesn't really come across that way. Yeah. Um, no, the, return, the beginning of Return of the Jedi is fantastic when he comes on and he speaks about... Uh, how I'm here to get you back on schedule. We should the emperor leave. does not share your optimistic optimism. appraisal of the situation. You got it exactly. Yeah. If we if we hadn't even seen the emperor, it'd have been better. Let Vader have covered all of that. Of course, ultimately you can't redeem Vader unless he shakes off the yoke. Right. So I get it. Of course. Yeah. You know, and the first three movies made all of Star Wars, except for the last three, um, Darth Vader's story. Whereas we always thought it was Luke, Luke Skywalker's story. It sort of still is, although some still argue that it is uh, the droid story, because they're the only ones in every movie. Right. Yeah, they're the they're the point of view anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's Anakin's the saga of Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, that's what it becomes uh, over uh, six six films at least. And God help me that I'm going to say this. He's it, the first three movies actually do make him a more interesting character. Oh well, yeah. When you go deeper with somebody, and you but have... I can't stand the character. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's more interesting because he, there's more depth to him. You understand sure. more of him. Although I still have a hard time getting from Hayden Christensen to Darth Vader. I have a hard time making that leap. That well, and yeah, that's that is a, well, that is a yeah, common I mean, criticism. Of, that's correct. Of, yeah, something that didn't work. Adam Driver is um, you know In much spaces. more of a work at Kylo Ren than he is. Hayden Christensen just did not pull that off. He just no. didn't. No, he was he was he a whiny always, bitch. Yeah, he just always looked like he was just going to go. But yeah. that's mean. Yeah, he was five seconds away from a tantrum all the time yeah. in the third movie. Now, mm-hmm. granted, he does go on a tantrum. Yeah, but yeah, it's, a it's, very it's, devastating one. Yeah. Um, but again, it just kind of shows. Even to me, that also helps illustrate why Doom is the gold standard, as that's you right. coined it. Because I, it, every attempt to give villain a villain depth, and not every attempt, but it it just shows how difficult it is to achieve. Yeah, yeah. 
I didn't coin that, by the way. Uh, a guy by the name of Chris Sims uh, coined that. I want to make sure I give him credit. Okay. Uh, he was. Uh, I, I adopted it and use it all the time, and you guys probably think I coined it. But no, Chris Sims is a comic commentator. He was on the uh, uh, website Comic Alliance uh, before it folded, and he used that in his... Uh, he did a very long... And you can find lots of discussions about Victor Von Doom out there on comic websites. It's what he called him, was the gold standard of villains, and he's exactly right. I'll give you another one, because we're talking about ones that are comparable. Loki. Loki's a very good compromise. Yeah, it's, he his character has been fleshed out yes mightily yeah. these last ten years in the comics, yeah. and that's mm. what all of us comic fanboys are hoping for with Doctor Doom now that Fox has been acquired and the Fantastic Four rights of which Doom is part a part are back under House of Marvel because Doom is the logical choice for the meta villain like yes. Thanos was. Uh, for the next few phases, so you could definitely start to tie some of these characters to if they are the Fantastic smart. Four. That is correct because you can tie Spider-Man to the Fantastic Four. Very much so, and then he and Johnny Storm his... always were tight. Uh, that's an easy connection yeah. that everybody will buy as logical, uh, just like they've created the one with him and Tony Stark being tight. Uh, that was kind of done for the movies, but it worked very, very well. Um, Man, no, that was done in the comics. It has first. exactly. I'm not because say... Peter went to work for for Tony. Right. It, it, it's 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 not as much. It's just there's so much op. Yeah. So many options well, we out could there. Definitely. Yeah. We, we could get down that. That's those of us hour. who and I'll get and we if we can finish up the episode with this uh, because this has got to be on everybody's mind who follows this stuff. And if Victor Von Doom is to be the next meta villain for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who should? Play him. Uh, there is. I, I'll give you what the what the surveys say. Uh, you can uh, you can uh, look up fan casting under Victor Von Doom very easily, and you can find plenty of folks. And I'll give you this much: uh, the odds-on favorite for who would be the ultimate fan cast for Reed Richards is currently uh, John Krasinski uh, of the Jack Ryan series and of The Office, and his real-life wife Emily Blunt. Is supposed to be the real the fantasy uh, casting for Sue Richards, and if you saw them together in the quiet she's place, she's fantasy casting for just about anything. Well, that's correct. <laughs> but if you saw them two together, I'm not the, a big fan of her. I think she's a, a good actress, but yeah, she well, doesn't really grab me. Yeah, they do so well together in the quiet place, especially because they are husband I and wife. They play husband wife. Too young. There's Reed needs that, to be about ten to fifteen years older than Sue, and that's that's a possibility. There's a that's currently where the fandom are, and I can I, I won't spoil it yet until you guys give me your thoughts. Who is number one? And it's kind of a runaway number at this at this point in time as we record. It changes all the time. There's yeah. lots of folks out there. I don't know for sure who I would pick, but off the top of my head, probably Daniel Craig. He's on the list. Uh, he is on the list. He's one that uh, that actually ranks fairly high with that. Uh, who to thunk that? Considering Daniel he's Craig played as Doom, he I, I think he would like that. I think uh, he he probably would. He would that would give him something to, to hang on to that's so different from where he if is. If he were younger, Russell Crowe would be Russell Crowe of twenty years ago, a Gladiator, oh, would have been good. That I, I hadn't been, considered that. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, he made a damn good Jor El. Uh, he in, did. In, yes. In, uh, Man he's of too Steel. old now, but he is. It's correct. He's a. Uh, he's too old for for Doom at this point here. Yeah. Uh, Martin, you got a. You got a. And you don't have to give one, but I'll give you who the current the current leader on the board is in a second. No, I don't really. Just I don't. I can't think of anybody. I like sprung this on you guys. I know. Because uh, again, I'm I'm having a hard time with the idea of 
of somebody that's got to be just the right age. Well, yeah, Daniel Craig's actually a little old for Doom as well, but well, I wanted to kind of let you can stand in for the reader on that because they don't know, and now hopefully they're they're Listen. they are real the listener. That's correct. Sorry, uh, the listener is kind of churning in their brains who this might be. There's a whole skew of them. Mads Milkison is is high. He played, but he played Cassilius in Doctor Strange. Uh, I don't know that they're going to double him up on that. He's a possibility. He was the villain in uh, Casino Royale. Yes, and did he, Mads Mikkelsen is, is awesome. Yeah, he he, he would. Uh, and I, I liked so him a, a lot. Cillian Murphy was ranked high. He played the Scarecrow in uh, the Dark Knight thing. I think he would be absolutely awful. I think he's too young and too uh, oily. He does not have the charisma. But the number one guy who is currently thought of to, that would be the ultimate Victor Von Doom is Jamie Lannister himself, oh. Nikolai Costa-Walder. Interesting. Interesting, that's correct. Uh, think on that one, listeners. I think you'll find that's got some legs to it. Uh, yeah. he, 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 did, yeah. he did a fantastic job. The man can act. There's no question as to that. Uh, uh, he's... The age is not too too old, I would think. Uh, he's he, at the top. He is. Of that. I mean, but you know, like I said, Daniel Craig's too, really too old. But yeah, he he would be. There's I some think he'd be on the edge. There's some gravitas with all these folks. Yeah. And who was number the number two again? Was. Um. um uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Okay. Mads. So uh, it depends on what poll you see. There are several out there, but the Cillian Murphy is out there too. Uh, there's a whole. There's probably twenty guys, many of which you do not know. These, but those names you probably do. Yeah. Uh, there's others out there, but uh, but Jamie is uh, you know like Nikolaj is way out in front. Uh, there's even been some fan art that's been done showing him with the scarred face. Yeah. Well, and he if somebody like him got it, especially his age, I think. Krasinski is definitely, even if his age is comparable, because he's obviously he's an older guy now. Yeah. You know, but he's he looks too young. Well, they would. Uh, you know. Uh, well, they tried that with uh, Ian. Um, uh, Ian Gruffin. Yeah, yeah, Ian Gruffin. Yeah, they tried that with him. It did not work well. Tried to age him with the the. It's hard because he can't be too old. Well, no. Well, why not? I don't like that. I don't. I think he he and Sue I mean, have to he and Sue have to have some form of sexual attraction with each other. What you've never heard of? Um, oh yes, you've never heard of May December romances. I understand. I, I just mean, Reed has shown, and Merrick Byrne illustrated this because of how young Sue has often been shown. That when Reed first had to have met her, she would have been like a young teenager, and so he's kind of a creepy guy in that respect. But of course, you know he doesn't have anything to do with her when she's that young. Perhaps. Uh, no, he doesn't have anything to do with that. that yeah. I know that. You don't say perhaps. That's yeah, right. You're right. Because it, it, she and Johnny are always portrayed as much, much younger than Reed and Ben. Right. That is and correct. they are. And they are. That's correct. I mean, it's, awful, it's often been said she's at least 10, probably closer to 15 years younger than him. Which is, hey, that, that, you're exactly right. So and if she's 25, he's got to be 40. See, that's the thing. They've already pulled so many terrific actors into the MCU. Yeah. It's hard to find somebody that got any weight left if you're going to bring them in. Because, I mean, you've already used up Paul Bettany and... Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> he would have made a great Cumberbatch. Doom. Yeah. He would have, absolutely. Yeah. He makes a better Stephen Strange, though. I think uh, he, they, they nailed him His right. hair, the aging for him, that needs work, too. Well, I mean, he's got the look, but yeah. it's, it looks artificial. Well, he's also very much into the character. Yeah. yeah, and that uh, he, he was, is a fantastic Doctor Strange. Exactly, yeah. which is another, yet another one of my favorites. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I, I don't know. the. On the one hand, I'd like to see him get somebody that is famous because that way you know they're good. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, um, they don't have to be. I mean, Chris Evans, he was known mainly as Johnny Storm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, he, and he nailed it. He and he freaking nailed it. Yeah, I cannot imagine anybody else being Captain America. Look, uh, Chris Hemsworth too is Thor. He was a little bit known, but not really. No, not really. Uh, no. They they both made their stardom uh, through that role, and you know that's not a bad thing. Uh, uh, in Kevin Feige, we trust. You know, we're going to have to presume that he's going to cast these. Yeah. He recognizes, and he's said this many times publicly. They recognize the pressure on them to do this right. Especially since with the Fantastic Four and Victor Von Doom, they have failed miserably up to this point. Uh, three times now. And they still can't get it right. But Fox couldn't get it right. Uh, Henry Cable. Oh, wow. <laughs> Henry Cable. Yeah, well, if you watch him in The Witcher, yes, I can see that. I can I've see seen a couple episodes of The Witcher. Witcher is excellent. Witcher is excellent. Is he really good enough? Because honestly, he comes off kind of flat and dull as Superman, so... Well, he's kind of playing. Ca- uh, I, I think he's got it. You watch him in The Witcher. I think you can see he's. Got, of course, he's kind of dull in there too because the character is dull. He's not meant to be overly uh, emotive, or I don't know that you want an emo. Well, and you know, Superman anyway. is about as white bread as you can get. That's right. Yeah, exactly. See, and, and and you know, I think Zack Snyder holding that character back a little bit too. That's true. Well, yes, that I'll tell you how Henry Cable could do it if you saw at the end of Man of Steel when they had this satellite that's looking up at trying to find out who he is and he pulls it down he talks to the general and he says I'm from Kansas for God's sake I'm saying that's Clark Kent that's Superman that's he's allowing that to come through uh, so yeah does Henry Cable have the chops absolutely I think he could do the only problem do. is he's committed to the other side yeah he's yeah he could never do it because legally he's not able to uh, as I understand it both universes while they're under contract, and obviously you leave, you know, you don't, you, your contract is complete. You could, but while they are under contract, they cannot play characters in the other side. They, they can't cross over. They yeah. can't cross over. And I that's a say, very unusual arrangement. I'm not sure how they got actors to agree to that. But well, because they pay because them a they, boat. they're paying a boatload, and it's a multi movie commitment. That's right. Yeah. And I want to say that Henry Cable is still under contract. I know he's still under contract at this point, even though the future is uncertain uh, yeah. what they'll do with him. But he, they're still not talking about recasting Superman, unlike what they've done with Batman. No, no. Uh, he's back. Ben, Aff- ben Affleck is going to be Batman. He is. Yes. They just literally just yeah, just the last out. couple of days. That's yeah. right. He is going. It's a. Ca- it's well, it's a cameo. It may be bigger than that. Well, it's. We're talking about the Flash movie, so that's, that's correct. Going to be. He's you can have multiple Batmans. He's going to, and that's kind of the, what they're talking about here. Is they're going to do that? Uh, I don't believe Robert Pattinson has any role in that that I've heard. Uh, nevertheless, there's going to be a reboot with regards. I got to another that. one for you. All right, go ahead. Christian Bale. Would he? Uh, I've I've heard he his may name. Have, he may have gotten a, a little up there too. That might not work. But I mean, if you can do a little He's makeup, and a little CGI, hard to work with, from yeah. what I understand. And I don't he think they're going to want anybody like that. I don't. Know, he, he might be good. He might be possible. Yeah. But I don't see he. He's no. He's notoriously hard to work with. Well, but he's, he's got the looks, and he's familiar with the. What do you call it? The ovier. Yeah, that's a very good word, sir. So like that's very smart. I, I think he could get into the character the same way he got into Bruce Wayne. He could because he did. A, he did. A, he did a fine Bruce Wayne. It was a very different Bruce Wayne, but it should have been. Uh, that was the intention of both Christopher Nolan and him. Okay. I, I really did like him as Bruce Wayne, and, yeah. and I, you know, there's a lot of people harken back to that as the preeminent 
and it's not just Heath Ledger, although a little bit of it is Heath Ledger, that as the Batman interpretation in the movies. Yeah, I, I'll honestly, I'm I'm not as big a fan of those because while Batman is the the brooding hero, Batman has just gone too dark. It is. It's very different. Uh, it was needed. At, uh, Batman Begins was needed at a time when the franchise was absolutely floundering and needed something new. Uh, and I'll give Christopher Nolan good for that. And I see the Dark Knight is still one of the best movies, best yeah. superhero movies ever done. Uh, the third one, Dark Knight Rises, was kind of yeah, you had to finish the story, but meh. Yeah, uh, that was just, all over the place. It was all over the place. It, it was just, a little too because it, it it fell into the same trap those earlier Batman movies did of too many villains. You're trying to work in two and three and four people. Uh, no, just you Marvel. Don't need that. Marvel knew better than that. They didn't do that. If you notice, that's one of the things they recognized. Right. But interestingly enough, they could do multiple heroes. That's correct. So you can make the argument that it, you could do multiple villains mm-hmm. because if you do multiple heroes, you do multiple villains. It's just DC hasn't proved they can do either. Well, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's different. Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman aside. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you team job. up villains, that's one thing. But trying to introduce them independently yeah with their own individual pieces and motivations all that you do a disservice to them all yeah so anyways this is about Victor Von Doom not that's not yes. DC and, and we're at 75 minutes so oh so. for goodness sake we better wrap this bad boy yeah. well you can probably uh, edit out you know half of, of Francis soliloquies there and get us on oh good god oh, the pain well, probably, Dr. Smith yeah. would say the pain the pain that's so funny. anyway why don't we go ahead and we'll wrap on that because I, I actually wanted to was trying to get us to a wrap a long time ago when I asked, well, if you're interested in this, what do you look at? And that's what <laughs> Yes, I, it's all your fault. What do you look at? And then I started asking more questions. Well, the problem is I, I dropped that bomb that I've been saving, who's your fantasy casting, that, and that's that, yes. down lots of rabbit holes. But you got to admit, boys, they was fun. Okay. For sure. I guess. Yeah, I <laughs> so, don't think so. Francis... What is next up? We're going back to history, of course, next time around. Uh, and we're a new subject, completely new subject, yeah. gentlemen. We uh, we we finished our Civil War series uh, really well. We did a Ragnar Lothbrok, which was kind of a nice little palate cleanse. Uh, and thanks to Bjorn again for uh, for guesting with us. We're going to actually do something you, as a listener, maybe don't know about, but you should. Carl von Clausewitz. You've heard. The name. If you remember the movie uh, Crimson Tide, he was mentioned by Gene Hackman and uh, Denzel Washington. Still a great movie. Uh, he is an 18th century philo- 19th century philosopher who wrote a book called The Art of War. And in many respects, he uh, had, that was uh, excuse me, pardon me, on war, on war, on war. Not yes, yeah, it's easy to get them mixed up. On war, uh, who was a philosopher and a military historian, and in many respects. Much of the world we look at it, particularly with regards to conflicts, uh, politics is a continuation of war by uh, war is a continuation of politics by other means. He coined that phrase. You could go back. You go the other way. Yeah, politics is a continuation of war by other means. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's that's one of the great, yeah. really. Th- he's just he's one of those people that no one knows, but well, we have talked about it. Influences um, the world in such a way that's that right. it's, it's worth yeah. exploring. Because we haven't done philosophy per se in a while, and this is kind of that. It's kind of not that. But that's that's where our history episodes have been taking us. That's correct. We need more into that. Why? Well, why did this happen? That's exactly right. Clausewitz is one of these people. Clausewitz is somebody that's really it's really worth reading. It's really it's really worth knowing him. He changed the way. Uh, the world looks at many things 
by his, uh, in many respects, revolutionary ideas that he wrote about. And we're going to talk about that next time. Awesome. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. Let your friends know that they can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us. And please, remember to leave us your comments and reviews. It helps people find us. And you can always send us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.